From the American School Counselor Association, this is I Hear You Say, a podcast for school counselors and other leaders in education. I'm Jen Walsh, Director of Education and Training here at ASCA. Having just come out of November, which is Career Development Month, where ASCA hosted a series of webinars and podcasts focused on career development, and then just last week, having wrapped up the ASCA at Home Support and Sustain SEL virtual learning event, you likely know that prioritizing the development of social-emotional skills and career development can be tricky, especially when competing with core academics in a building. However, we know that focusing on SEL can inspire students to think about their future goals, which in turn then helps them see the need for developing certain core academic skills. So the two really work hand in hand. Today, we'll sit down with Tessa Barbazan to learn more about how to use career development as a catalyst for social-emotional learning and development, as well as academic achievement. Tessa is the Director of School Counseling and Social-Emotional Learning at the Clark County School District in Athens, Georgia. As a district leader with 17 years of experience in education, Tessa provides leadership, support, and strategic development in school counseling, social-emotional learning, PBIS, and school climate and culture. Tessa is passionate about leading professionals to ensure students thrive by addressing the whole school and the whole child. Welcome, Tessa. I hear you say that you recently attended the Georgia School Counselor Association Conference. Do you have any takeaways or learnings to share? Absolutely. So we had a great conference. I was really thrilled that we were able to host it in Athens, Georgia, um, where I live and work. But you could really see a couple of themes emerge that really stood out to me. Student wellness, mental health was huge. I think that I was not surprised, but really noticed how everyone, all the counselors, really felt like we walked into the school year prepared for it to be what we had this perception of normal. And then we were like, whoa, this is, this is not, this is not good. This is not going well. Um, You know, our students need support like we've never seen and we um, didn't quite anticipate this level of need. So on one hand, we're seeing a lot of support from administrators and valuing the role of the school counselor in providing that continuum of uh, mental health support and social emotional learning, um, really helping teachers with trauma-informed practices. So the conference was great. And I think there was a lot of great PD for um, counselors to be had in those areas. So it, it was great. And, and we also saw, um, and I saw this when I went to the ASCA conference over the summer as well, that Everyone is just so excited to be back for some in-person professional development and networking. I think that that's something that, while virtual is so great for some things, um, I I know people are just thrilled to be able to have that face-to-face professional development. For me, I feel so much more engaged when, when when I have access to that. So overall, I think that it's something that We need that PD because we're seeing all these needs and we're having to rethink how we deliver our services to students in some cases. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So diving into our topic today, and you kind of touched on this a little bit already, what concepts do you think a counselor and teacher must master before, as a partnership, before delivering SEL lessons in the classroom? I know you talked a little bit about 
partnering with teachers. So if you could elaborate on that, that'd be great. So I've, I've really tried to um, work with the school counselors in my district. And I know that I've always had the stance that as counselors, like we serve all students and that's really important, but we also can't be in every classroom every day working with students. So one of the great things that we can do is to build relationships with the teachers and try to help teach them certain skills and try to help partner with them so that they can continue some of the things that we might go in and model and teach with the students, that they can continue that work. And I know especially at the high school level where we're also, you know, have a very individualized college readiness focus it's really important for the counselors to work with teachers as advisors and to put systems in place where the students are getting that support when it comes to social emotional learning. They're getting that tier one SEL, but at the same time, you know, the counselors are, are partnering with the teachers and making sure that we're still um, able to address our ask a student standards in different ways, not just directly with the students, but we're putting in bigger picture programs so that the students get access to services more regularly. Have you ever partnered with teachers or met with teachers to discuss how the ask a student standards can be used within their lessons? Yes, absolutely. In fact, we utilize the platform Zello for college and career readiness. And so I know that one of the big things that I've talked to, especially a lot of the secondary counselors about when it comes to the Ask a Student Standards, I'll focus specifically just on college readiness right now. When you look at, for example, CTAE is what we call it in Georgia, career tech courses, the standards in career tech include a lot of things that overlap with the Ask a Student standards, as well as the Castle Core competencies. So, you know, one of the things that I love to do, especially with CTAE teachers, is look at other tools that we have in place and show them how they can leverage that to meet their curriculum standards, which also address our Ask a Student standards, as well as uh, the Castle Core competencies. There's so much overlap. And when you can show teachers that you're not asking them to quote unquote, teach the counseling standards or be the sole owners of social emotional learning, you're showing them how as a part of their comprehensive uh, curriculum standards for their subject area, there is that crossover and that overlap. And then I also serve in my district as the PBIS coordinator. So, all the time. I mean, I'm constantly working with teachers on creating that, like that tier one, that positive classroom climate um, aligned with PBIS. Well, again, that positive classroom climate, part of um, creating that and having those spaces for students, then you're now looking at trauma-informed practices. You're now looking at Again, those relationship skills um, in the classroom, you're looking at all those castle core competencies, those social emotional learning competencies. And again, the minute you bring in those castle core competencies, you're looking at so much overlap with the ASCA student standards. So a lot of it is just a matter of making it explicit, having positive relationships with those teachers so that everyone is working smarter and not harder, but that they also don't feel like they're doing extra but they see how all of this work is connected. It's, it's really, truly, it's a whole child model. And counselors have been operating under this whole child model for years. 
And now it's becoming more explicit as to how that looks in a classroom setting. So, you know, I always say, I'm like, counselors, it's our time to really shine because we are experts in this work and we can really help empower our teachers to see how they can bring in PBIS, trauma-informed practices, a social-emotional learning, how all of that is going to make it and more conducive to the students learning whatever their academic standards are once they have that positive classroom climate and they have some optimal social emotional learning occurring in the classroom. I think post-secondary readiness is a great example of how the student standards, like the learning strategies, the self-management skills, the social skills, all of those are really um, imperative for Mm -hmm. post-secondary readiness and really can be fostered and, and nurtured in the classroom with teachers as well. So I think that that partnership is critical. Absolutely. We also try to emphasize with the teachers, when we look at matriculation data into post-secondary, when we look at like our senior exit survey, the biggest gaps that we see with matriculation isn't besides financial aid, because that's you know proven to be a, a big barrier for a lot of students when matriculating to a post-secondary environment. Um, But one of the biggest barriers that we find besides financial aid tends to be social emotional gaps uh, around readiness. Like a student doesn't have the ability or is just lacks understanding as to how to do certain things for themselves. And we work with a, a very large like first gen population, low income students that, you know, are the first ones in their families oftentimes to graduate from high school, let alone go to college. And so we find that SEL development is so critical because they need these skills so they can function independently and matriculate successfully, even if it's not into a, you know, a four-year PSI environment to even go to a technical college environment or to be workforce ready in a structured work environment. All of that stuff requires a high level of, of SEL development. And if they don't have that, there's going to be some critical gaps regardless of what their post-secondary or after high school plan may be. So we find that to be extremely critical, that we've got to really focus in on that and develop that if we truly want to say these students are college and career ready. Taking two or three AP classes or even a dual enrollment class doesn't assure that. What's really going to assure that is making sure that the student has those um, social and emotional skills to to transition into life after high school. So... How do you see a focus on future goals and career development helping to develop social-emotional skills? And and how do you speak to your counselors about how they intersect? I'll use a really great example. Um, And I think it's a barrier that a lot of high school counselors and even middle school counselors can relate to. Even at the elementary level, I saw this. I was an elementary counselor and um, was also a high school counselor. So You know, oftentimes we have students that, for example, when we look at sort of that social emotional skill of really having um, an understanding of oneself, to have just some concepts around self-actualization, just some realistic perceptions, just being in tune with like where you are at. And then we have students that sometimes, you know, even late into high school will come to us with just kind of some not realistic or not well scoped out goals, either transitioning into post-secondary environments that may not be the best fit and or have career aspirations that 
they're not scoping or scaling properly. You know, so for example, a student coming and saying, I want to go to medical school. And, you know, maybe the student has engaged in a fair amount of like STEM coursework and has taken even some AP courses, but maybe there's a gap in understanding what does that look like where you're sitting now getting to that goal and the student not really having an understanding of what that looks like and what kind of skills are needed, not just academic skills, but all these other things that are going to go into sitting in 11th grade and then one day graduating, going to medical school and eventually becoming a, a pediatrician. A part of that, some people would say, oh, that's just, you know, developing like an individualized academic plan. Um, and I hear that all the time from other instructional leaders. And I'm like, no, there's also a lot of SEL skills that go into that. There's got to be some additional pieces where you start to develop an under, a better understanding of the world around you and how all these different pieces work and play together to go into going from where you are now to going to this place. Um, just thinking through a lot of different aspects. So as counselors, like we talk all the time about how do we help students harness their dreams and goals and never like squash those, but also help them develop and understand some of the things that it's going to take for them to achieve that on a realistic level. How do we build that within them? We've got a lot of students that have a lot of resiliency, but how do we help them better develop truly this skill of resiliency that they've developed over time? you know, just in their in their community, with their family, in their school space. They've got great resiliency, but how do we help develop and harness that and help them understand some of the things that lie ahead and help them understand how they're going to work through those things, how they're going to troubleshoot, how they're going to connect with adults. You know, I've, I've got students that we've graduated that will still call me and ask for us to like do a three-way call with the financial aid office in the post-secondary environment. And I'm always happy to like to do that and to support that with the students. But that's some of the stuff that it's like, how do we work with these students to help them understand some of these SEL skills aren't just how they're going to get along with a roommate in college, but also how they're going to navigate the complexities of the financial aid office to make sure all of the things are in place so they can continue on with school the following semester. It's difficult because some of those things, you know, they're just going to have to live through and work through on their own. So how can we develop some of those skills and prepare them for some of those real world experiences that they're going to have to make sure they can go from where they're sitting in your counseling office in 11th grade to one day, you know, being in their the career of their dreams, the goal that they set for themselves a long time ago. Right. Those are great points. How do you overcome barriers or naysayers to your approach? When I think about some of the bigger barriers, I think some of it is people get focused a lot on just some of the outcome data. Like, okay, how many students have taken a dual enrollment class or how many students, you know, what's the graduation rate? What's the post-secondary matriculation rate? So one of the things that I think is critical is harnessing some of that perception data. Counselors really need to utilize a variety of data types to kind of make a case for having this comprehensive approach. So I think it's really important to empower student voice to help show that data as well alongside the outcome data. 
It's critical. I think once we hear the voices of the students, it always, for me, once we have some of that data, it really makes people pause a little bit more and realize that sometimes it's not just the outcome data that we need to look at. We need to look at we need to look at this, these other data types as well and, and hear the voice of our students and see what they're saying and what would have helped them the most in terms of you know, support around social emotional development and college and career readiness. And again, oftentimes when you look at that student voice data, what we're seeing is, again, they're saying, okay, it's not so much that I wasn't academically prepared for school. I wasn't prepared for some of these other pieces, these life pieces, these real world pieces that I wish I was able to navigate a little bit better and or had some more support in that area. And I think once we we provide that student voice data to school leaders, you're really able to kind of give them pause to see that, you know, we've got to develop students comprehensively on all fronts. That student voice data that you're speaking of is really the mindsets and behavior data from the Ask National model. So I'm really glad that you bring that up. Would you take this same approach with everyone in the school community? So administrators, teachers, district administrators, or district leaders? Yes, and I do, but I'm in a district leadership role. But yes, the approach is the same. I feel very fortunate that I'm in a position where I can advocate for the counselors on a higher level and that I can help provide some guidance for administrators throughout our district. So that's that's really critical and that's an important part to have advocacy at all levels. But the approach is really the same for the school counselors. A lot of times when counselors are consulting with me about how should they approach, you know, from an advocacy standpoint of, you know, wanting to build these partnerships or wanting to um, develop programming in alignment with some of the things we've talked about with partnering with teachers, with SEL and college and career readiness, the approach is really the same. And I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you're, if you're thinking, okay, you know, it's time for me to put on my advocacy hat and to really like take a very systematic approach to this and, you know, say, this is what I'm proposing that we do, you know, do not go into that without some data. And, you know, hopefully for everyone, you've got individuals, you know, maybe you don't have a district coordinator or director of school counseling, but you've got other individuals. I know our person that's over data and analytics is always happy to help our school counselors with pulling some of our state state health survey data, which, you know, specifically addresses like student perception around mental wellness, culture and climate in the schools, et cetera. Um, So go into that approach with some data. Um, I think when you're also looking to partner with teachers, you know, you need to start at the top with your administration and make sure that you're, it's a comprehensive approach that everyone supports and they understand why you're doing it. That's why the data is so critical because the data needs to tell, needs to really say, this is why we need to do this or why we need to take this approach. When you miss that data piece, when you go in to set up a program or set up a system or take a certain approach with something, um, it's just you're not going to get the same level of buy-in as when you are able to show the why and then on the back end show the impact and the results. Definitely great points there. So what tips can you offer to ensure that this approach reaches students in an age-appropriate manner as well? So I would say... 
as far as like, you know, for practicing school counselors, like what can you do to make sure that, you know, if you take this collaborative approach, first of all, make sure that you are still um, facilitating that comprehensive ASCA aligned program that serves all students, you know, really take a look at your program calendar, um, make sure that you still are interfacing directly with students, all students at that tier one level that you've got that core curriculum delivery plan, that you're not neglecting to still have that face time with students. It's, it's really critical that we build those relationships with students. Um, and if we're not in the classroom or running these programs, you know, maybe on a school-wide level, small group level, then we're not um, modeling that for teachers. You know, we need to be out there as the experts in this work, um, helping model what this looks like in our schools. So that's one piece that's extremely critical. Like you've got to have your program in place. And you've got to be out there working with students. This isn't just a push programming to teachers and let them facilitate things approach. You can't. It's it's a partnership. And they need to see you modeling and teaching some of the same things. The other thing I would say is make sure that you've worked with your administration and you have a clear vision and some really specific goals and outcomes that you want to see as a result of this work. We don't want to just be providing services and not have it aligned with those bigger picture, with those program goals, um, those student outcome goals. Like that's, all of that needs to align. And I always work with the school counselors and say, you know, you've got to make sure you're having, having those meetings, putting in that annual administrative agreement in place with your administration so that everybody's on the same page. That's going to help make sure your work stays really focused And then the other piece is I would say, make sure you're really evaluating where there's gaps. Make sure you're getting feedback from teachers. Utilize your advisory council. Pull your teachers in and get feedback from them in gaps that might need to be addressed because they're working with those students in the classroom every day. They might be seeing things or experiencing things that you're not seeing from the counseling side of things. So make sure you're collecting feedback from the teachers that are implementing the pieces that you've put in place to see where you need to make changes and adjustments. And finally, I would also say a big tip is to talk to your administration, talk to your district leadership about what your sort of tier one school-wide social emotional learning approaches or your district-wide approaches. Um, When you look at the CASEL model, it is really critical that all students have that universal tier one social emotional learning instruction So what does that look like in your school? That doesn't mean what you're doing in your counseling program per se, but that's the teacher providing explicit SEL instruction in the classroom. So it's also important to advocate and to look at if there's a need to have um, specific SEL programming in place just to make sure that we've got that connection where the teachers have CASEL aligned curriculum that they're implementing in the classroom. It gives us that universal language as well. So I think that's that's an important tip, too, to make sure that if you don't have some sort of CASEL approved SEL programming that you're using, how do we have an aligned and unified and aligned approach when it comes to SEL instruction? Because as counselors, we have our ASCA student standards and we, we can build in the college and career readiness piece. We can build connections with teachers to make sure that college and career readiness is comprehensive. But when you look at sort of like a Venn diagram model of how you're going to overlay that with SEL, you've got to say, well, what 
what are we teaching? What is our, what are those areas of focus for SEL? Castle gives the standards, but Castle isn't a program. So we've also got to look at how are we teaching? How are we explicitly teaching SEL to students? Um, so you've got to look at all those things. And if, if the thing that you identify that a gap is that we don't have a structured SEL program for teachers to utilize, talk to district officials, talk to your school about utilizing some of the funding that's available right now to look at potentially purchasing something that's going to help give your school that unified approach. Right. I think having those practical examples of SEL lessons or in-class activities that engage students in career development and academic achievement and social emotional learning is uh, really important for those classroom educators and for that buy-in piece, right? Absolutely. I mean, we we hear this a lot, especially in secondary. Um, The teachers will say, well, I'm not a counselor, you know, and for years we had teachers, or excuse me, we had counselors creating these lessons for teachers to facilitate an advisement, you know, creating advisory content. And that's that's time when a counselor is spending too much time in the program planning piece, that's taking away from those direct services that we need to provide. So a lot of times when you have a program that is vetted and, and designed for teachers to facilitate, then what the counselor can do is provide leadership and support around the implementation of that program. And then the counselor can take those concepts, those bigger picture concepts or themes that are being taught in that program and align them with your with your counseling programming, that's how we create that bigger picture alignment where we're, I said it earlier, working smarter, not harder. A lot of times people are like, what does that even mean? Um, Well, sometimes it means leveraging other systems and, and programming and that you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not creating everything that when you're creating content, it's really driven for you to facilitate, not so much that you're creating content for teachers to facilitate. We're, Counselors are amazing and um, we, we do great work, but we also have to make sure that we have the capacity to work with students directly and support the teachers versus develop things for them to facilitate. Well, thanks so much. I think this really gave us some great insight into how to weave in SEL district-wide and how to collaborate with administrators and and classroom teachers. So thank you so much. I typically close with something that gives you hope or motivates you. I love that. That's awesome. I will say what, what gives me hope is when I'm, when I'm working with school counselors, really of all levels, you know, as a director of counseling, it's like when I work directly with students, it's usually haphazardly because I, I go into a school. But I know that I, I mentor a student that's in one of our schools. And one thing that really gives me hope is every time when I go visit the student that I mentor at the school, um, and then I'm following up and working with her school counselor, and I, I watch how the school counselors work as a team, it really gives me hope to kind of on this other side see how counselors have such an impact on students and all the pieces that they bring together to try to help students from a holistic standpoint. And then when I'm working with this particular student, I think what gives me hope is when she's talking about um, her experience at school and she's talking about her experience with her school counselor, kind of almost getting this like child's, child's picture of what that looks like and how, um, how positive her experience is. It gives me hope just knowing that 
we are making a difference. We are impacting kids and it's really easy to feel overwhelmed day to day. But when you get to that micro level and see what the impact is, even on the days that might be crazy and you may not get to all the things that you planned on doing, the work is so impactful and students notice it is making a difference. And the relationships that we give them for someone to, to be connected to someone safe and caring, it's just, it's so powerful. It just reminds me why we do this work and gives me a lot of hope for all of our students who are progressing through school and learning all these skills that for me, that we just, we didn't have that back in the day. And now that students have access to these school counselors, it's just, it's amazing. It gives me tons of hope. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tessa, for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you all for listening. We hope to have you back for our next episode. But until then, be sure to check out our website, schoolcounselor.org, for school counselor resources. We'd also love to engage with you on all of our social media platforms. Find us on Facebook at the American School Counselor Association, Twitter at AskaTweets, and Instagram at WeAreAska. Thanks and hear from you soon. I'm Jen Walsh, and this has been I Hear You Say, the podcast from the American School Counselor Association.